0: Good morning, Abbott Hope. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. How are you all doing this morning? There is something I want to share this morning, and um, as I was mentioned I'm in dental school here and getting close to the end of my training and I want to share my testimony. Um, the interesting thing about it though is that it's not finished. I still have three months to go and quite a lot before I get to graduation. Um, but I think that The fact that it's not finished can actually make it somewhat more of an impactful testimony, at least it has for me. And the reason why is because when we read in the Bible, we see that God constantly asks us to walk by faith and not by sight. And so as I share this morning, um, just kind of keep in mind, all of us as we're going through different experiences that perhaps haven't come to the end yet and we don't know the outcome, um, we can still have faith in God as we go through those different experiences. Um, I do have a couple of disclaimers. The first one is that this is my story this morning. It's not how everybody goes through dental school. Um, There's going to be things that are uniquely about me and maybe not be generalizable to other people. Um, And then second of all is that I don't claim to have a perfect understanding of how God leads, uh, which should become pretty obvious as I share my testimony. Uh, But I do think that we can have a basic understanding of God's leading, especially as we look back at where God has brought us through. And um, a verse that comes to mind is Psalm 107, verse 43, uh, in the New King James Version, which I'll be using throughout this morning. Um, And it says that, Whosoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So let's just have a prayer as we get started. Dear Lord, thank you so much for... The privilege to know you. Thank you for the Sabbath day that we can put aside all of our worries and our stresses and come to you. Lord, thank you that you have showed us who you are through your word and that you show us every day as we're willing to listen to your leading. You show us uh, your path for us. And Lord, I just pray that this morning as I share how you've worked in my life, specifically in regards to dental school. I pray that um, the story would be clear, that the lessons uh, that I believe that you've been trying to teach me would be applicable to others, and that um, at the end of this, we would all give praise and glory to you for your leading in all of our lives. Thank you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've organized the story into a couple of different steps or lessons that I think God has taught along the way. Um, just so happens that it's seven lessons. Uh, The first one is never say never. I'm just going to go through them before I start. Never say never. Second one, little miracles can guide us. The third, God connects the dots. The fourth, my faith in God is only as strong as my heart is trials. The fifth, school can grow my faith. The sixth, It can get better. And the seventh comes from Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's mind, sorry, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So let's start with lesson one, never say never. Um, I was not the type of person that knew from the cradle what I was gonna be when I grew up. In fact, I was in high school and in my last year coming down to graduation, and I still didn't know what I was gonna study. And I was starting to get very stressed out about it because where I was at the time, I was living in Mexico with my family. We were missionaries there. And in Mexico, the way the educational system works, you basically have to choose your career right out of high school. Um, So you have to decide whether you're going to do dentistry or medicine or engineering or art or whatever it is. You have to decide your first year of college. So I remember being in Bible class one day and... Our Bible teacher was um, having a special time of prayer for us. and The thing that was on my heart was, what was I going to study the next year? And I was only 16 years old at the time. And uh, I remember as I prayed that I got this distinct feeling that God was saying, whatever it is, it's going to be something good. Now, you might say that's kind of weak, uh, but I th- felt that that was meaningful. And it actually turned out to be very meaningful because it took quite a while to figure out what that was going to be. Uh, So during the next three years, I was 16 at the time when I graduated from high school, just about to turn 17, Uh, my career options went from everything from communication to uh, software engineering, dental technology, medical technology, medicine. I spent about three days in art school, decided that wasn't for me. (laughs) Um, I then did two and a half years, I took that and then I took the next year off. Then I did two and a half years of medical technology, learning to do um, blood tests and things like that, and spent about four and a half months working in a hospital laboratory. And that experience turned out to be so negative for me that I decided I didn't want to do anything related to healthcare at all. And I went so far as to even mock the idea of doing anything in healthcare. I thought it was completely crazy to do something where your schedule was so limited and you had all these different things you had to know and it seemed very difficult. And so I was like, I'm not doing healthcare at all. Uh, I thought of several other interests that I had, um, kind of went back to um, computer um, science. And so I thought maybe I'd do computer science for a little while. I was thinking about becoming a math teacher. And by the time I was 20 years old, I was still living in Mexico, but planning the next year to go to Southern Adventist University and study computer science. Well, through an interesting series of events, which I might not have time to tell all of that this morning, God put the idea of healthcare back into my mind, and I started thinking, you know, it might not be that bad of an idea to kind of fall in the footsteps of my dad, at least, because my dad's a physician, and my mom did some um, did medical technology and then masters in public health, so it's kind of in the family a little bit. And then um, through the leading of um, the intervention, actually, of my parents. Uh, which up until that point, they had been very kind of hands-off. They would kind of given me some general guidance, but they hadn't said, oh, you must do this or you must do that. Through their uh, intervention as well, I ended up deciding, you know what, I'm going to do something in healthcare. And that was a major frame shift for me. But I felt that God was leading me to do that. And after I had made that decision, then I just had to figure out what will I do. And through the process of elimination, I ended up with dentistry. I wasn't completely sure about it, but I thought it would be pretty good because I wanted to be a missionary overseas, and so dentistry is something that's very portable, you can take with you, and it also gives you quite a balanced lifestyle, you have time for other things. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll probably do dentistry. So that was lesson one, never say never. I basically said I'm never going to do anything in healthcare, and then here I am now, almost a dentist. Lesson two is little miracles can guide us. So when I decided that I wanted to go to dental school, I was still living in Mexico. And I remember sitting down one day with my dad and mapping out a plan for how am I going to get to dental school because I'd done two and a half years of college in Mexico and coming back to the States. I didn't want to do it in Mexico. I wanted to come back to the United States because this is where I'm from. And so the path to getting from there to here was going to be a little bit... of a a journey. And so I remember sitting down and deciding, well, I want to get there as soon as possible. So it was um, 2011, I think end of 2011 or beginning of 2012. And so I sat down, mapped it out, and figured if everything goes just right, I could get to dental school in the fall of 2014. So that would mean, though, that I would have to apply to dental school without a bachelor's because all those classes that I took in Mexico would not transfer to a college here. So I decided I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. So I started emailing Southern Adventist University again. And uh, to be able to do this, I was going to have to take some science classes together that normally you can't take together. So I sent a whole bunch of different emails. They probably thought, who is this guy? What is he emailing us about all these things for? Uh, One of the people even told me, you know, most of the people going to Loma Linda have a bachelor's, if not a master's, kind of saying, you know, you're kind of going in a strange direction. But... I still was determined that this is what I was going to try to do. I was going to give it my best shot. And if, if God wanted me to become a dentist, why should I spend time getting a bachelor's when that wasn't going to help me towards my final goal? So that was the route I pursued. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, um, I had to... Um, sorry, a second. Yes. Yes. There were several different things that would be required, of course, to get to dental school. And one of them was taking all of the prerequisite courses. Uh, The other was taking the dental admissions test, which is somewhat similar to the MCAT for those who are familiar with how it works for medicine. And in um, the way that God led, I was able to get to Southern Adventist University in the fall, uh, or in the summer actually, of 2012. I was able to um, take some of my first prerequisite classes, got my English classes out of the way. Um, then that next year, I took uh, quite a heavy load of sciences altogether, and God blessed, and I got good grades. And so I felt, okay, God's blessing this endeavor. He's, he's leading, so that was good. And by the end of the year, um, another blessing that came along was that all of those classes had built into them. The final exam was a cumulative Uh, exam, national standardized test, and it was perfect practice for the DAT, which is the dental admissions test, because it was similar type of thinking that was required for these exams, and it was excellent preparation. So in the fall, not fall, the summer of 2013, I, um, I registered for the DAT, I studied for it, and the night before I took it, I remember praying because I still wasn't 100% sure that I was gonna go into dentistry. So I remember praying, Lord, if you want me to go down this route, please help me tomorrow on my test to do so well that I know only you could have done it. And if you don't want me to go this route, help me to do so badly that I know only you could have done it. (laughs) I think that's a pretty safe prayer to pray. So the next day I went, I took the test, and the DAT is kind of interesting in that you get your results back immediately. So that could be either good or bad. Um, well, when the results came out, I was surprised and very happy to see that except for in one section, which I'd done a little bit below average, I had gotten very good scores. And so I was like, this is great. God is leading. This is the way I'm supposed to go. Well, um, fast forward a couple months, I sent in my application. I decided after praying to only apply to Loma Linda, uh, for various num- number of reasons. I remember one of the, um, somebody who will remain unnamed had, had uh, told me, you shouldn't just apply to one dental school. But I I felt that that's what God wanted me to do, so I did it. And um, as time passed, I had the interview, um, sent in my application, and um, the first wave of of acceptances went out, and I didn't get accepted. Um, There was some extra paperwork that I had to do. And so generally, the first wave is about in December, and then the second comes somewhere in January or so. And I remember all of December went by, uh, I had a little bit of communication with the Office of Admissions, um, sent them my paperwork, and then waited, and waited, and waited a little bit more. And um, January came, January was going by, I hadn't heard anything from them, but about a month since I'd heard from them. And I started thinking, what if this doesn't work out? Because the way I structured my classes, I was not anywhere close to getting a bachelor's degree. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't know what I would do if I didn't do dentistry. And as time was going on and I wasn't hearing anything, I was thinking, well, I kind of have to have an idea of what I'm going to do if I don't get into dental school. What, What comes next? And I really didn't know what to do. And it was kind of difficult, too, because I felt like God had been leading up until this point, but I was coming face to face with the reality that maybe God might have another plan. And that was difficult. I was struggling to leave the future um, in God's hands. And I remember one day, uh, about midway through January, I was in physics class. And one of my friends handed me a little note with my name on it and a smiley face. And that was kind of unusual because I don't normally get notes in class. So I thought, oh, what is this? It looked like some kind of invitation. So I opened it up and it said, "Um, congratulations for getting me accepted to dental school, to Lowell University School of Dentistry. I was like, "What? What? That's really weird because I've not heard anything from Loma. Why are they telling me congratulations from getting in?" And so we talked about, it and I found out that they had been talking with another friend, and somehow it understood that I had been accepted. And I thought that's really weird. Like, what was that about? And and it was kind of frustrating too because all this time I was really hoping I would get in, and then here I get this note, and it's a, like a false alarm. And. And then I was reading it, and, and in it, um, my friend had written, I'm so, so happy that your future patients will get to know Jesus through your amazing medical work. And I was like, oh, man, I would love to be able to do that. But, I mean, I haven't heard anything back. I don't know if that's going to work out. So I was like, oh, what is this? Did God mean this as a sign or something? Did it mean nothing? I wasn't sure. So I walked back to my car that evening. It was a Friday afternoon. Um, got in the car and was heading home. And um, on my way home, I made a very... Uh, I was driving, driving my car, and there was... Have you ever been driving, and you see where there's, like, two streets, two cross streets close to each other, and there's two red lights um, that are within probably, like, 100 feet or so of each other? Well, anyway, they were both red. And uh, actually, no, one of them was turned green, but the one closest to me turned red. It was red. And in my... Whateverness. Um, I got confused and drove through the red light. And I was like, oh, no, I'm driving through a red light. This is terrible. I never do this. <laughs> so like, anyway, all that happened. I was like, oh, man, that's, that was so bad. And then, like, two minutes later, my phone rings. And I look at my phone. And I was living in Georgia at the time. And there was a 909 number. And I was like, 909? That's, that's uh, California, that's Loma Linda. It's like, oh my. So I pick up my phone, and it was the, um, the assistant director of admissions at the School of Dentistry saying they'd just gotten out of the admissions committee and that they had just unanimously voted to accept me to the class of 2014. And I was like, hey, yes, praise the Lord. I actually cried. I was so happy about it. Um, and I just felt so happy. And you think that after like after all of that, the next eight months, because this was in January, the next eight months would go by blissfully. I would just be floating on cloud nine, I got accepted to dental school, everything's going to work out, um, but not quite. Um, I one of my weaknesses is that I tend to be a little bit too introspective, and I found all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't be accepted to dental school and and it led to a whole bunch of mental anguish and things that should not have happened. But nonetheless, God, God still had his hand guiding my story. And I also, at this time, was having a little bit of doubts also about the, the issues of modern medicine and healthcare versus the Adventist health message, and kind of some issues where it seems like there's a little bit of contradiction between them. And I wasn't sure, should I do dentistry? Should I not? Should I do something more natural? Um, And I found quite a few quotes in, in well, not quite a few, several um, key quotes in Ellen White's writings talking about dentistry. And for those who don't know who Ellen White is, Ellen White um, is one of the founders of the Sunday Adventist Church, and we believe from the Bible that she had the gift of prophecy. And so reading her writings um, when she makes certain um, comments about things or or endorsements, it, it carries a little bit of weight. So as I was reading, I came across several statements, which I'd like to share with you, those of you who may be dentists or in dental school or maybe considering dentistry or maybe um, if you might find this helpful. Um, The first one from the book Health Food Ministry, page 49, says, those who are engaged in the work of preparing health foods are just as much in the service of God as if they were in the dentistry business or in the medical missionary work. I was like, yes, in the service of God. And then there were also some stories about Ellen White's interactions with different dentists. Um, one of them, a dentist from New Zealand, her name was Dr. Margaret Carroll, and she was actually Ellen White's personal dentist at one point, point. and she wrote the following things about her. She said, Sister Carroll is a superior dentist. She has all the work she can do. She handles an immense amount of money, and she uses the money to educate young men to be laborers for the master. I'm greatly attached to her. She holds her diploma as dentist and her credentials as, as minister. She speaks to the people, she, she speaks to the church when there is no minister. So you can she, see that she is a very capable woman. Her husband is a physician and surgeon. And so, like reading these things, there's other quotes where she talks about this lady. And I liked seeing this blend between ministry and, and dentistry. And I thought this is this is this was good. I also read some other statements about health um, from the book um, Selected Messages. Volume 2, Chapter 30, and if if you ever have questions about some of these issues, it's really helpful. That chapter, Chapter 30 of Selected Messages, Volume 2, goes through a lot of things about Ellen White's um, experiences and uses and things of medicine and different types of treatments. And so to the end of that time, I finally decided, you know, dentistry is the right thing for me to do. And on August 19, 2014, I came here to Loma Linda. That leads to lesson number three, God Connects the Dots. So I got here August 19. On August 16, which is a Sabbath, there was a message preached right here in Advent Hope called, Woe is Me. And some of you who have been here for a long time may remember that sermon. Um, it's about the life of Elijah and about uh, the, the um, experience of the person who is preaching it. And if you don't know this message, I would highly encourage you, if you ever struggle with discouragement, anxiety, depression, anything like that to look this up on Audioverse. It's a powerful testimony shared by Dr. Carlos Moreta, who uh, became um, a good mentor and friend um, of mine. And it was interesting how I ended up meeting him actually for the first time, before I came to Loma Linda, um, living back in Tennessee. One Sabbath, uh, my family and I, we decided to go to, randomly, uh, we thought randomly, um, decided to go to a church that we didn't normally go to. And it just so happens that he was there and telling the children's story. And, um, yeah, he was telling the children's story. I don't know why. <laughs> um, he I knew a little bit about him from listening to Audioverse, um, knowing about his work with Amen um, on YouTube as well. There's a video on there about what he does as an oral surgeon. And um, when he got up to tell the children's story, I was like, oh, that's, that's Carlos Moretta. And so um, kind of out of character for me, I decided I was going to go up and introduce myself to him because... I tended to be a lot more introverted back then than perhaps I am now. And in talking with him, he gave me some tips on applying to dental school. Um, He also said, hey, if you're interested in coming to the AMEN conference, which is um, the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network, he said, I might be able to work out a way for you to get to go there later on that year. And as it turns out, we stayed in touch, and I was able to go. And when I went, I was able to see a really powerful blend of evangelism, ministry, and dentistry. And it kind of set the picture for what I wanted to do if I became a dentist. So that was just kind of a little bit of background about who preached the sermon, Woe is Me. Anyway, this sermon this morning could slightly be titled, Woe is Me, Part 2. Not because my life is that bad, but because um, ultimately it's about the, the, the process of learning to trust God. So with that being said, I'd like you to open your Bibles um, to 1 Kings chapter 19. Verse 13, and this is talking about the story of Elijah. This is what that sermon was about. 1 Kings 19, verse 13. And as you're turning there, I'm going to kind of just paint a picture for you. Imagine that you're standing on the top of a mountain somewhere, there are rocks thrown around all over the ground, um, the air is heavy with smoke, there's charred embers lying at your feet, and you see evidence that there's been an earthquake recently. And then you see, kind of through the mist and the fog, you see a cave and this robed figure coming out of there. And like, What is this? Who is this person? Um, Well, let's go to 1 Kings 19, verse 13. It says there, So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I'll just kind of summarize Elijah's story up until that point. He had just had an amazing victory for God. He had um, single handedly, so to speak, um, called down fire from heaven, and everybody in Israel had decided that God was the true God instead of Baal. And those who didn't decide that had been um, taken care of. And <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. Um, anyway, so basically, a massive reform had just happened in Israel. And uh, the queen of the country, Jezebel, was not very happy about that. And she threatened him and said, you know, if, um, if you don't get out of the way, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And so he took off and he ran, completely forgetting all that God had just done. So why did he have this problem? What was his issue? He had a lack of faith. And it's really amazing because he was willing to throw out everything that God had just done because all of a sudden there was this new problem in his way. So what about you? What are you doing here? Um, You're here in Loma Linda. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a professional. But I'll just speak to the students for a second. Maybe you're studying nursing. And um, you're coming to the end of your time. And you're getting ready to take that exam called NCLEX. And you're afraid that you might not pass. Maybe you're studying um, physical therapy or medicine or dentistry or something and you have final exams next week and you're concerned that maybe you're not going to pass that one class that you haven't been getting good grades in. Um, Or maybe, you know, any host of things could be coming down your path. Uh, Or maybe you're me. Maybe you're in fourth year of dental school and you're stressed because you have clinical boards coming up in just about a week and you're not sure what's going to happen if you don't pass. Um, Maybe you don't know if you're going to finish your requirements on time to graduate and avoid becoming a fifth-year dental student. Um, Maybe you don't know where you're going to end up next year, like I don't. Uh, But all of these questions can only be properly understood against the backdrop of what God has done. In Elijah's case, God had to remind him of what he had done and what he was doing. And in our case, we need to go back and remember, how did we get here? What has God done to bring us to this point? So that leads me to lesson four, and when I actually sorry, arrived here in Loma Linda. Lesson four is my faith in God is only as strong as my hardest trials. So when I arrived here in Loma Linda, um, I didn't know a whole lot of people. Uh, my brother lived here, his wife lived here. Um, I had some, a few friends and acquaintances, um, but God sent me, um, sent people across my path um, sent me good friends in school. Um, it was actually one of them who told me about that sermon, Woe is Me, for the first time. And I remember listening to it, like, the third week I was here in Loma Linda. It was my birthday, um, and I, my family wasn't here, and I was kind of a little bit lonely. And when I listened to it, I realized, you know, I shouldn't be complaining. I shouldn't be feeling like, oh, woe is me. Like, all these things, God is with me. And it was quite a bit of uh, encouragement. But uh, as, as uh, dental school started, uh, of course, the academics were challenging, but by and large, it, was, it wasn't it was as bad as I thought it was going to be, and and God was uh, blessing me as I was going through it. But uh, as you're all aware, uh, we all face times of difficulty and, and discouragement in our experiences. And um, early on for me, I had some personal plans I was working on that didn't work out, and I ended up going through quite a few days of... Deep discouragement, some sleepless nights, almost um, some times where I was just really questioning God and not sure what His leading was, where He was, um, where He was active in my life or not. And it was during that time in first year, um, when sometimes it seemed like every day was, was dark, um, that I learned what it means to trust God when there doesn't seem to be anyone else you can consistently rely on, because. Yes, you know, family and friends and everybody is there to support you, but they can only be there a certain amount of the time. There's always those moments when it's just you and God. And it was in those moments that uh, I learned how to really trust God when things didn't seem to be working out. And there were some particular promises from the Bible and and quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy that I came across during that time that I really wanted to just share with you, just a few of the most um, salient ones here. The first one is uh, Proverbs 18, verse 10. And uh, I remember during that time, I had it on the uh, background of my computer for quite a while. And Proverbs 18, verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And just those, those words might be very simple, but just realizing that when you're going through a hard time, God is like a strong tower that you can run to, get inside of it, and nothing and nobody can come against you. That was so powerful. Um, Also, another quote that I found that was a huge encouragement when I was battling with temptation was um, from Manuscript Relations, Volume 2, pages 343 and 344. There, Ellen White says, To those who are tempted, I would say, do not for a moment acknowledge Satan's temptations as being in harmony with your own mind. Turn from them as you would from the adversary himself. And I think this is a very key point here. Oftentimes, when we struggle with temptation, we tell ourselves, and and I'm not saying that we don't have sinful hearts, we do have sinful hearts. But oftentimes, when we struggle with temptation, we feel like, I must be so, so, so bad to be struggling with this temptation, without realizing that sometimes the devil is actually just whispering things into our ear. And we think it's us, but it's actually him. And so reading this quote and and the story behind it, if you ever have time to look look it up, it's in second uh, manuscript releases, like I said, page 343. It's so liberating to realize there are times, and actually all the time when we're tempted, we can distance ourselves from the temptation by rejecting it and by calling on God for help. And that was just a very encouraging thing. For me also another uh, Bible verse that was uh, quite quite encouraging was Romans chapter 8 uh, the whole chapter really but um, particularly verse 24 for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for but if we hope for that we see not then do we with patience wait for it that's in the new King I um, in the King James version but The point there is that the only way that God saves us is through hope in what he's going to do. And if all of a sudden everything is crystal clear and it all makes sense, and we know how everything's gonna turn out, then there's no hope anymore, there's no faith, there's no need to rely on God. But if we realize that it's through that experience of having to rely on God and have faith in him that we are actually saved, then we can joyfully embrace those times and just cling on to the hope of a better tomorrow. So by the end of first year, um, I had, by God's grace, found quite a few um, promises in the Bible, quotes in Spirit of Prophecy that I highlighted on my phone or on my iPod at that time. And um, just God had given me a lot of spiritual resources to carry me into the next part of the journey. And that leads to lesson number five. School can grow my faith. So... Let me kind of just break down dental school to you. First year is basically about basic sciences and learning about how the body works. Um, You take classes in gross anatomy, and yes, for those who study medicine, we do study the whole body um, because we treat whole patients. We don't just treat mouths. You take gross anatomy, you take histology, um, physiology, neuroscience, biochemistry, microbiology, um, dental anatomy, you learn how to create teeth out of wax, Um, you learn how the teeth function together, why cavities form, you learn how to do fillings on plastic teeth. So it's a lot going on. Um, But surprisingly, at least for me and my experience, I found that it wasn't as hard as I expected it to be, probably because I kind of had in my mind what second year was going to be like. Now, second year is something totally different, at least that's how it was for me. Second year is much more intense. First year, your schedule is very predictable. You kind of have the same classes every day at the same time and everything. Second year, they throw at you a whole bunch of different labs that you have to take in no particular sequence or order. Um, You have to constantly be checking your schedule every day to see, oh, where am I supposed to be at this time, where am I supposed to be at that time? Um, You start treating, well, not treating patients, but you start doing some things in the clinic on a very limited basis um, and take still more basic sciences and then a lot of um, laboratory classes where you develop the hand skills to become a dentist. So um, first quarter of second year actually was surprisingly, uh, surprisingly not easy, but reasonable. Um, I think it gave you a false sense of security because second quarter was the most intense uh, academic experience I've ever had. And it seemed like there was no time to do anything other than study for quizzes. Sometimes you'd have up to five quizzes in a week, which means like, almost a quiz every day. And these aren't just quizzes like, um, you know, what's your name or what did you do today? No, they, like, You have to study for these things. So. Um, quizzes all the time lab projects with deadlines it was it was it seemed like there was no time for anything other than eating sleeping going to class studying going to lab after hours and it was it was quite um, taxing but again God brought me through that quarter and I remember so many times where uh, I would sit down to take a quiz or take a test and because of trying to have a balanced lifestyle not stay up all the way at night um, and, and kind of get some rest and stay in touch with my family and things like that, I would oftentimes be unprepared for the quiz or the test, and I will say that I didn't always study as best as I should have, but so many times I would sit down and say, I know I'm not ready for this test, but Lord, please help me anyway, and it was amazing to see how God would answer my prayers, and things would go very well. I mean, not always like the best grades, but it went very well. And it was an experience that really built my faith. Um, also, difficult times in the laboratory. I remember one night, um, late at night, staying in there, I was having to take an impression on a stone model uh, for a lab project. And I had to do it 10 times before it came out right. And then my friend that was there was working on a project and had been put hours into it, and then it broke. And like, we were just it was late at night. It was like 11 o'clock, almost 12 o'clock at night. And then they forced us out of the lab because the school had to close. But things like that at the time, which were very difficult, looking back, it's like, you know what? We survived. God brought us through. It was okay. By the end of second year, um, when third year came, which is where we started treating patients, um, before third year started, we'd done, the school had done a really good job of, at least for me, making me feel like I was ready to start treating patients. I felt like, yes, I have the, the skills, the knowledge. I think I can do this. Um, we also took part one national boards in second year, and by God's grace, I passed that. So third year came around, and it was time for lesson number six. It can get better. Now, you know how some people say, you know, it never gets better? I thought at the beginning of, or toward the end of second year, beginning third year, that things were about to get better. Um, I was about to start treating patients. I moved to a new apartment that God had provided for me two days before I left for summer break. Um... My older brother and his wife had left, and so that was kind of um, difficult. They moved away. Um, But I knew that there was like a new chapter starting, and I felt like, okay, things are about to get pretty cool here. Um, But then third year started, and I realized that there was a whole set of skills that I needed to be able to treat patients that I didn't realize that I didn't have. Um, The most important one of those for me, and this, of course, is very different from every dental student. Some people love third year. Some people, they start third year, and they're like, this is so great. Uh, For me, there was this aspect called um, good judgment uh, that I didn't fully have completely ripened. Um, (laughs) And by that, I don't mean making dumb mistakes, necessarily. I just mean that when you're treating patients, when you're doing clinical activities, you're constantly having to make judgment calls on a whole host of different things. And that was very difficult for me because I tend to be very detail-oriented, very concrete in my thinking, and you know it's either A or B, it's black or white, and then there's this whole spectrum of gray. And um, the professors were definitely there to help and guide, but they weren't there holding my hand every day. Um, and that was, I mean, I was a little bit surprised that there was so much, I perceived, autonomy when I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> And it sounds funny thinking about it now, but at the time, it was very stressful. It was so stressful that I remember sometimes I didn't want to go to clinic so badly that I I literally got down on the floor in my apartment and cried because I was that stressed out about it. Um, And... It, was, it got to a pretty low point where one weekend I was sick. I had to skip, um, skip school because I was sick, and then that meant I was going to have to make it up sometime later because they require 100% attendance, and I was like, oh, I was not happy. And I didn't even want to go anyways, and I started thinking about, you know, what if I were to quit? And, um, well, first of all, if I quit dental school, what would I do? I don't have a bachelor's degree. I'd have to go back to undergrad. Um, And then I would have, like, for the rest of my life, this feeling like I quit. I didn't stick it through. What if I kept going? And I just remember that day um, writing in my journal and and just pouring out my heart to God and saying, Lord, I just, I don't even want to be here right now. Um, I want to just leave, go home. But even if I go home, I still have to come back. Um, And... And just feeling discouraged, but then just realizing God had always brought me through the difficult times in the past before. And I knew he was going to have, find a way to bring me through this one, too. Um, a couple days later, came to Sabbath school here at Avent Hope. And it was uh, Pastor Steve Conway preaching, again, about Elijah and Elijah's difficult experience, which was kind of interesting because that was a reminder of Carlos's sermon on Elijah a couple years back. And I felt that morning that that sermon was just for me. And it was so encouraging to realize, once again, that there are people in the Bible, specifically in this case Elijah, who now is my favorite Bible character, who had these high moments of faith, and then the next moment, they were down in the dumps of discouragement and despair. But God didn't leave him. God still was there with him. He still took care of him. And he gave him a future, a future. A future so glorious, he took him to heaven. He never died. And for somebody to struggle with that kind of stuff, and then a couple, maybe, we don't know how long it was, but probably like a year or two later, he was in heaven, immortal, forever. That's, that's amazing. Um, I remember that day also talking with a couple of my friends here who were also going through some similar, not necessarily as severe experiences, but um, kind of new in the clinical side of their careers, or of their studies, and just realizing that I wasn't the only one going through anxiety and difficulty um, at that time. And it was, it was so encouraging. Um, there's a really amazing statement that Ellen White makes about Elijah in Prophets and Kings. And uh, it says in Prophets and Kings, page 162, Into the experience of all, there come times of keen disappointment and utter discouragement. Days when sorrow is the portion, and it is hard to believe that God is still the kind benefactor of his earthborn children. Days when troubles harass the soul, till death seems preferable to life. It is then that many lose their hold on God and are brought into the slavery of doubt, the bondage of unbelief. And then listen to this. She says, Could we at such times discern the spiritual insight, with spiritual insight, the meaning of God's providences? We should see angels seeking to save us from ourselves, striving to plant our feet upon a foundation more firm than the everlasting hills, And new faith, new life would spring into being. And if you read those chapters in Patriarchs and Prophets, I mean, Prophets and Kings, uh, about Elijah, it's just amazing to see how God was seeking to teach Elijah at that time that even when things seem hopeless, that he is still there for you. So again... God brought me through another difficult time. And with the encouragement of my parents, my friends, I kept putting one foot in front of another, kept showing up every day to school. And it didn't get better immediately, but little by little, it got better. And to the point where I remember one day in third year, I was um, in the clinic, um, treating a patient, and just thinking to myself, man, there's nothing I would rather be doing right now than this. And that was, that was really awesome, like the contrast between where I'd been just maybe six months before and that. Um, I won't say that that feeling was a lasting feeling. I don't always feel that way. Um, <laughs> I still like dentistry. But um, it was just amazing to see how far God had brought me and to realize that it wasn't necessarily that dentistry wasn't a good fit for me. It was just something I had to grow into. And growth is sometimes painful. So I did learn that lesson um, in third year that, yes, it can get better. Even though sometimes it seems like it always gets worse, it actually can get better. That leads to lesson number seven, um, which is the last lesson, and arguably the hardest one to learn and probably the most uncomfortable one. That's Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So this part um, of the story is the part that I'm in right now, because obviously I'm not done with dental school, and there's still a whole lot of things to come. And so at this point, the story kind of gets a little bit jumbled and confusing, and so I hope I don't lose anybody. It felt confusing, and it has felt confusing going through it, but um, I'm going to do the best that I can. And also, an illustration. Um, I was watching a YouTube video the other day where uh, it's, it's a drone over a cornfield, and it starts out pretty close down to the cornfield, and you just see these rows of corn, which, I mean, it, there's nothing to see. It's just rows of corn. And then as it starts panning out and going up, you start seeing some lines and mazes and, and, and pathways that come together. And as it goes further and further and further out, you see this beautiful tapestry that's been designed into the cornfield by the way they've made the mazes here and there. And I think that um, at some point in our lives, whether here on this earth or in eternity, we'll look back at our story and realize that what might have looked confusing at one point, looking at it from the grand perspective of God's perspective, there's actually a beautiful story there. So um, to start out, uh, in, in third year, toward the end of third year, I was starting to think about what I was going to do after dental school. And I had, from second year, actually decided that I wanted to be a missionary overseas. I joined the deferred missions appointment program. And I wanted to go to a particular area of the world where it's pretty close to the gospel. Um, there haven't been a lot of, or none actually, dental students uh, or dentists that have gone there from uh, the deferred missions appointment program. And, uh, but I felt that God was leading me to go there and to do that. So that was my plan going through. And toward the end of third year, um, I was thinking about what would I do in order to be prepared for that. And um, there's something you can do in dentistry. You can start working directly out of dental school, or you can take um, a year and do a one-year residency to kind of get more skills, learn some things you couldn't learn in dental school, and be better prepared to start practice. It's called a general practice residency. And um, there was one of those near my home in Maryland, where my family moved to and where they currently live. And when I was at home for spring break, third year, um, last year, I... uh, went and visited this program, um, kind of at the insistence of my mom. And I wanted to move back home uh, after dental school. So I went, and it's a pretty well-known place where this program is at. And without any formal letter of invitation or anything, I was able to go, and God worked it out that I could meet one of the professors there. They'd had a last-minute change in their schedule, and so they had time to talk to me, tell me about the program. And when I left, I felt really positive about it. I thought, you know, I want to apply here. I think God's opening the door for me to go in this direction. So um, as third year came to an end, I applied to that program and um, started waiting. Well, when fourth year started, um, there was another surprise waiting for me, uh, this one not so good, which was that the school, um, and I should back up here again and kind of explain. In dental school, there's certain clinical requirements you have to get done to be able to graduate. And uh, those are pretty solid. I mean, they do make some modifications toward the end of the school year, but in general, you have to get those done. If you don't get those done, you have to stay longer and become, like I said, a fifth year dental student, which nobody wants to do that. And um, at the beginning of the fourth year, uh, the requirements program or system in our school changed. And um, with the change, I found out that I was at the bottom, the absolute bottom of my entire class in regards to my clinic progress. And it's not that surprising because I'd had kind of a rough third year. um, So I wasn't as productive as as maybe I could have been. And so that was a little bit of a a shock and I had a, a meeting with my clinic director that said, um, she said, you know, unless something really changes, you might end up getting held back a year. And so I was like, oh, man, and this is like such a surprise. Um, And then also around that time, um, another thing where I was working on some personal plans that didn't work out, and I was feeling like, man, I'm I'm experiencing failure again. Um, What's God doing? Where is he leading me? Where am I? Like, how does this all make sense? And then again, at that time, we had to start registering for our clinical boards, which um, is uh, the exam, the last and probably the most important exam that you take in dental school, which makes you eligible to be licensed in a a state to practice. And they were having us register um, quite a bit in advance. And because of the whole situation of what was going on with the uncertainty of whether I would end up staying in fourth year end up having to go back to third year or something like that, and I didn't know what exactly they were going to tell me in regards to that. Um, It took a while before I was able to register. And when I finally registered, um, I got told that I was put on the wait list. I was like, oh, everything seemed to be going wrong. And um, despite that, I knew that God had been with me in the past. And I knew that going through trials meant that there was going to be some type of testimony at the end of it all. Well, fourth year continued... um, going on. I started working really hard, as hard as I could, um, to work on those clinic requirements. Uh, We had a whole bunch of uh, competency exams that were coming up. We had mock boards for Part 2 boards. We had our Part 2 national boards. We had another written licensing exam. So a lot of things were coming up. And I remember uh, as I was going into that, thinking, I don't remember if I prayed a distinct prayer, but really hoping that I would pass all those tests so I wouldn't have to remediate any of them, because any remediation time would take away time that I could be working on other things like getting my clinical requirements done. And there were quite a few uh, exams that we ended up having to take, but by God's grace, with the exception of one, I passed all of them in the first time. And I was like, that was a clear sign to me, at least, that God was with me. He was helping me so that I wouldn't have to divert my time onto those things. But... um, Also at that time, uh, my plans for doing mission work after dental school kind of started to change a little bit, and um, it hadn't worked out yet for me to be able to go to this place where I wanted to go, and I wasn't sure if it was going to to work out. And I started thinking about um, possibly doing a dental specialty. Um, I realized I had some interest in surgery and um, thought, you know, oral and maxillofacial surgery might be interesting to do. And I had a talk with, uh, again, with Carlos, who's a oral facial surgeon, and he gave me some good words of advice. He said, because I told him, you know, I think this might be what I want to do. And he said, well, look, if you have any question in your mind that this might be what God wants you to do, realize this. God can't do anything with an application you don't submit, and God can't do anything with a test you don't take. And there's an actually there's a test that you have to take to apply to oral surgery, that is basically like step one for medicine. So it's a whole bunch of medical knowledge that they're testing you on, uh, that you don't necessarily learn in dental school. And so those are the words that he told me, and I I took that to heart. I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna see what happens. They only to um, offer that test twice a year. So I registered for it, and it was going to be in February, this last February last month, and this was November. Um, or December of uh, last year, so just a couple months ago. And at this time, I had all these pressures going on. I was uh, working on as hard as I could to work on my clinical requirements, um, lots of lab work, um, studying for this exam with a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And um, also, I had not heard back from the the one-year residency program I'd applied to either. And one day, uh, I was at school, and... God sent a word of encouragement to me where one of the uh, key leaders in the school saw me in the hallway and quite unexpectedly told me, you know, what, I was looking at your clinic progress again the other day and, you know, you've really picked it up since the beginning of summer, summer quarter. It's impressive. Keep it up. And that was really encouraging to me. Um, I was I was really encouraged by that. I knew I still had a long way to go, but it was it was a word of encouragement for me. Well... After um, school, after um, spring break, uh, Christmas break, um, came back, got a letter from the school saying I'm at high risk of not graduating on time. <sighs> More stress. But I had a plan. I knew kind of what I was going to do in order to get my, my requirements done. And I had a meeting with one of my clinic leaders. And it turns out that at that meeting she told me, you know what, I'm actually not that worried about you. You seem to be on top of everything and have everything planned out. It's just a matter of everything coming together by graduation time. And that was really amazing because this is the same person that I would met with back in summer that had told me, look, if you don't change, you're going to be held back a year possibly. And it was just amazing to see how God used even that meeting to be productive for the benefit of some other people too because there were some, uh, some rules that got changed as a result of that meeting that made it easier for some of us who were having a hard time with clinic. And again, I saw God leading. Well, back to my plans for oral surgery. Um, this exam was coming up, and I was taking practice tests, not doing very well, um, not surprisingly, because it was testing more medicine than dentistry. And um, I had a lot going on in the couple weeks leading up to it, which is last month. And so when the time finally came to go and take the exam, I, I didn't know what I should pray for because I knew I was not prepared. And I wasn't even sure anymore whether I wanted to go this route or not. I'd had different things happen that made me think, maybe I should stay in general dentistry, maybe I should you know, pay off my loans and, and just go as a missionary as a general dentist. And so going up to the exam, I again had one of those moments where I prayed a prayer. I said, Lord, I don't know what this is supposed to, I don't know what the outcome of this should be. Um, I know that I've registered for this exam. I paid a lot of money to take it, and I had to go travel to a far away place to take it because there are no no seats available here in the L.A. area. Um, I had to walk through the snow and the ice to get to the exam. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Makes it sound dramatic. It felt dramatic. Anyway, I took that exam praying, Lord, if you want this to be something that points me in a direction, let the results show that. I know that based on how well I'm prepared for it, it's probably not gonna go very well, unless you intervene. And so I took the exam, it was probably the hardest exam I've taken to date. Um, And at the end of it, I felt like, man, that was not very good. I didn't feel like I did very well at all. And then at the end of the week, um, two weeks ago yesterday, I got my results back. And when I looked at the results, it was just above the average for those who had taken the exam at the same time. Which was pretty amazing because it was like nine points higher than I've been getting on my on my practice tests, and again, it was it was one of those moments just realizing, God is leading. Now, what's the outcome of that going to be? I still don't know. It was only two weeks ago. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll end up uh, becoming an oral surgeon or if I'll stay as a general dentist. Um, at this point, I still don't know if I'm going to graduate. I mean, I know I'll March. Um, I don't know if I'll come back and become a fifth-year dental student. I hope not. I'm doing everything I can for that not to happen. But um, my point is that we can plan our path like the verse says, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We can do all that we can to plan, and we should. Um, God doesn't expect us to just sit back and do nothing. But at the end of the day, we have to trust that whatever God allows to happen to us is for a reason. And as we look back at it, there's going to be a reason for it. So For you today sitting here um, this Sabbath morning, uh, I know for some of you uh, final exams are coming up next week. Um, Maybe you're uh, contemplating whether you should um, get a new job or maybe you're thinking about moving or maybe like Paul Howe who spoke here a couple weeks ago was talking about he and his family, they're not sure where they're gonna go next. Life is full of uncertainty and we don't always know what the outcome of things are going to be, but we do know that God is with us, and I just want to end sharing uh, a quote that a friend shared with me um, back in the, in the midst of, of the, the difficulty um, last August when I had all these different things going on. It's from Review and Herald, November 29, 1881. "Now is the time for the friends of Jesus to be decided, faithful, and valiant for the captain of their salvation. Now is the time to show who are the true Calebs who will not deny that the walls are high the giants mighty, but who believe that this very fact will make the victory more glorious. So as you contemplate the giants in your path this morning, just remember, the bigger the giants, the bigger the victory. And I just want to encourage you, um, as you you go on throughout this Christian journey, throughout your academic journey, your professional journey, just keep trusting in God. Um, I don't know how my story will end, I don't know how your story will end. If you want to know, ask me. I have a couple more months here, hopefully. Not more than that. (laughs) But um, let's just keep each other in prayer and and be encouraged because God is with us and God is helping us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that through the sometimes um, chaotic and difficult experiences that we go through in life, um, the times where we don't know how you're leading, um, the times when we can't see what's going to come next. Thank you that it's at those times that we have the privilege and the opportunity to exercise faith. And Lord, yeah, sometimes it's painful um, and it's not comfortable. But it's just amazing, Lord, to see how as we put our troubles and our problems and our cares in your hands, how you take care of them, how you answer prayers, maybe not always how we want, but we can see as we look back that you've been with us. And so, Lord, I pray that throughout the rest of this day, throughout the rest of this um, coming week, and through the years that we may have on this earth before your second coming, I just pray that our faith would grow stronger and stronger, and that we would share the experiences of what you do in our lives with others for their encouragement, and so they can come to know you too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.